Today, I have a really special episode for all our viewers. Today, we have a Liverpool special. We have a review of the Liverpool Leipzig game yesterday and also a review of the Liverpool season overall. But you may be asking, who have I got for the podcast? Who have I got that I think has a valid opinion on Liverpool and can talk about it a lot and be interesting? Well, I've got my guy, Harry Haran. Harry, how are you doing today, mate? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you looking forward to the podcast today? Should be fun. Yeah, it should be fun. Should be fun. And there's going to be a lot to talk about. Again, we're going to go through Liverpool season so far, the Champions League and some other factors. So enjoy the pod and we'll catch you after. So the first topic that I'm going to be discussing with Harry today is before going into the UCL a little bit, we're just going to talk about a guy that maybe has been the, the catalyst of the downfall of Liverpool Football Club in the last few weeks. Harry, I want to talk to you about Jurgen Klopp. He seems to be failing to motivate the players at the minute. I do see some performances that don't seem like he's they're playing for the manager at the minute. He doesn't look himself on the touchdown. I used to see Klopp going up and down as you see German managers. But you have to remember, he has been through tough times recently. Obviously, his mother has passed away, sadly. RIP, Mrs. Klopp. There is rumours that he is leaving Liverpool. I don't know how uh, reliable they are. At the end of the season, he could be taking a, a, a sabbatical. Is that the right word, Arvin? You, you're the tech here, tech guy here. Sabbatical. We take a break. Yes, indeed. That's, that's, that's the thing, yeah. Where you take a year break just to clear your head a little bit, then get into management. Six losses in 10 games in all competitions. How much do you think this is down to Klopp? Um, I think Liverpool's poor performances recently. I think Klopp does have to take some of the blame of it because his substitutions in some of the games have been questionable mm -hmm. and some fans are very upset with his transfer decisions, a.k.a. Origi, who's been a cult hero for us and scored, you know, so many goals in the 18-19 season that were late-minute winners and obviously the hero against Barcelona at home. But he's, well, I mean, ability-wise, I think Liverpool fans have accepted that Origi is not quite the level of our other attackers even Jordan Shakiri who's not who doesn't even start that much but fans are upset to see Minamino leave but I mean maybe it's been a masterclass because Minamino's gone and already scored a Samson so maybe that was a good decision for him but I think club substitution wise has made a few mistakes I think it was he brought on Oxide Chamberlain against Southampton or he started him and that was a questionable decision because against Southampton we were outplayed basically we didn't even get a foothold against Southampton they were just better than us they deserved to win and people were like, oh, Oxford Chamberlain, is he the right guy to come in and solve this issue we're in? Mm. Um, but substitution-wise, definitely Klopp has to take the blame. Coaching-wise, I don't see a huge drop-off in the in like what we used to do. But one thing I do see is that, for some reason, our determination in games has just kind of disappeared. And I think that came, and I, I don't want to hate Allardyce or something, but I think that came because of Allardyce when he came with West Brom to Anfield. First 20 minutes, we were all over them. We were one and up. Mane scored lovely. Then suddenly, the next 70, we couldn't do anything and Cobb was basically confused and he had no idea what to do. Allardyce. He was trying, yeah, he was trying all these different things and Allardyce just had him on toast. And I mean, the way that West Brom got that goal was a bit lucky. But I mean, he got himself, Allardyce got himself a one-all draw, got a point from Anfield and ended up being the happy man. And I think since that result, our form has been a bit edgy. In a way, Allardyce is the one of the causes of Liverpool's downfall. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think you can solely blame your the downfall of Jürgen Klopp down to Salah Dice. But yeah, I think that maybe drawing to West Brom at home maybe could have dampened the confidence of a lot of the players and the manager, his ability to break down low blocks. We we have seen that. But yeah, that, that's a good take on Klopp that the substitutions have, have not been there. We need to, in games that are not going well, you need to make some, some bold changes to change the game, sw- switch up the system. And I felt that Minamino was actually a good player in, in many systems as a false nine a left wing, a right wing, maybe even an attacking eight, Minamino. So maybe that wasn't the best. You can't really blame Klopp for getting rid of Minamino. You could blame the owners of Liverpool, maybe, that they kind of pressured Klopp to get rid of Minamino. He maybe had gone to the board to say, I'm not getting much game time. But also, that could have been down to Klopp. He ne- he needed to play Minamino more. Seeing that, he's a, he's a great player. That finishing against Newcastle was absolutely class. Side into Minamino, takes it around one. Minamino oh, goal. has scored on his debut. Hey guys, we're going to get straight into the Champions League, review the Leipzig-Liverpool game, break it down point by point and get Harry Haran's opinion. See you in a sec. So yeah, I'm just going to start with the Champions League. Overall opinions from you, Harry. So let's just let's just break it down a little bit. I saw much better passing from Liverpool than I have in recent weeks. I thought that you moved the ball around a little bit better. Also, the defence looked a lot better than I saw against Man City and, and Leicester. Kabak and Jordan Henderson actually strike quite a good partnership. Bit of pace, bit of understanding and, and a big lead in Jordan Henderson. Also, I thought that your, your finishing was clinical. We've seen that. You've missed some clear-cut chances. Mo Salah is a, is a victim of that. Mane is another suspect who's done that quite often. But the two chances chances that Liverpool the two clear-cut chances you did score I saw a miss from Salah where it was quite a good save from Peter Galazzi but two easy chances they could have been missed in the recent weeks but yeah it was good it was good finishes how would you sum up the game yesterday so far I thought it was an outstanding game for Liverpool from start to finish we were in control of the tie even even if it was nil-nil I think Liverpool fans would have taken that just no capitulation is what we wanted and to get two away goals against a very good Leipzig side who everyone was worried about when we drew them. Uh, I think that's a great result. I mean, statistically, the game was all of us. We had more possession, more shots on target, or everything, really. We dominated the game. Leipzig had a few good moments where Daniel Moe hit the post, and Angelino just scuffed two volleys that he wouldn't buy back another day. But ultimately, we were the better team. Maybe the goals that came from their mistakes was kind of lucky, the way that both their players just fell over when Salamane went were uh, running in behind. Yeah, she won one of the players just passed it straight to Salah for the first goal. That was that was yeah. that was very poor from Leipzig. But Stinky. I think given what we've been through recently, we deserve that luck. And Salamane, I was I mean, I'm more happy for Mane to score, to be honest, because Salah's, you know, he's been scoring every week, it's fine. But Mane hasn't scored since might be West Brom actually. That was his last goal. So it's been a while. Actually, no, maybe he scored in the cup against Aston Villa. I think he did, but that doesn't count. Yeah, so, I'm not counting against Louis Barry's team. Not counting that. We're not winning. So, yeah, it was it was a good day for Mane. He was, you know, he, actually, no, he scored against Spurs, to be fair. I just remember that. He scored a nice goal against Spurs. But it was a big day for him. He performed well. Curtis Jones was very good. Our whole team played outstanding. We'll get, we'll get into these players later, mate. We'll get, we'll get into these in more detail. These, these are really good performances, I thought. And ultimately, I think Klopp deserves a lot of credit for the way he's up. A lot of people were asking for... Henderson to go to midfield, you know, and he stuck with his decision of uh, Henderson and Kabak, who were kind of a fault for some of the goals at Leicester. And I mean, it paid off. We didn't concede, clean sheet, and 
we look like the favourites to progress through to the core finals. Yeah, that, I thought that was a solid performance to get back on forward. Just touching on Sadio Mane, as an outside fan, a neutral fan, a mutual fan, you could also say, I always think that Mane is just a superb player. I think that, I, I think of him as world class. I've seen him against Chelsea, the way he's played when we when you beat us 2-0 at Stamford Bridge. I've seen Mane on so many occasions just stepping up. I really think he's a superb player. And for people, for Liverpool fans to say, it's great that he scored a goal. It just comes as a shock to me because in my head, I just think that he scores every week. But obviously, this season, you might you might have thought that he's not playing as well. But maybe a little bit of vendetta against uh, the Red Bull franchise. He used to play for Salzburg, score against Leipzig, their kind of uh, franchise team. So maybe a, a bit about that. But yeah, Arvin, what, what are you discussing next? Um, I want to talk a bit about, about player that wasn't really recognised yesterday but for me he stood out because of what he did yesterday so Trent Alexander-Arnold I feel like four key passes 100% tackle success I mean last good performance I saw from him was against Tottenham when he made a goal and he scored a goal but he hasn't really seemed I mean apart from yesterday and the game against Spurs he seemed quite on edge this season you know he's had a few good performances a few bad performances so Harry talk to me about his performance yesterday I mean, the the one style that really rings out for me is the hundred percent tackles uh, rate. I think that I don't know if that's it could be hundred percent. That's that's amazing. It was remember, actually hundred percent. I remember definitely one scenario where Nkunku was get, trying to get behind and he just bodied him out of the way. It was watching like Van Dyke just shepherding your defender out of the way. And I was really proud of Trent yesterday. I thought he played outstandingly. Uh, yeah, he's been under some criticism this season. Because I think ever since the start of the season, I've noticed as a Liverpool fan, but all of our attacks were down on the left-hand side because Robertson and Marley started the season very well. And I think Sal- Salah was scoring, but it's like Trent and Salah were just a bit if and bug because uh, our right side of midfield had injuries. Henderson missed yeah. a few games against Villa, obviously 7-2. I mean, Trent himself had an injury as well. He was out for like five weeks, six weeks. Yeah, that, that was a huge injury for him. Yeah. And... Also, I think his set piece quality, he's not getting many assists because, well, I mean, Van Dyke's been injured and he got a lot of goals. So yeah. that might be why statisticians are like, oh, look, he's only got two assists, three assists, that's worse than blah, blah, blah. But I think still on his day, when he plays well, the whole team definitely will play well. And his definitely. his ability to just be so confident in the forward areas is, is lovely to see. Well, yesterday, well, especially. What... Yeah, that's what he's known for, isn't it? Yeah, his goals, well, mainly his assists, but because sometimes he pops up with a goal or free in a free kick or something like that. But anyway, I feel like I have to touch on this player because he's not really noticed. For me, he does all the basics right. And he's not really a, a talent that a lot of people see as becoming world-class, but for me, he's really underrated. Um, and he goes by the name of Curtis Jones in a 100% tackle success, light trend, three interceptions, 34 accurate passes. He bossed midfield and I feel like, especially for a 20-year-old like him to come into a game to be, right now, in fact, be a starting player for Liverpool, he's got a huge, huge play on his shoulders to hold that midfield, you know, especially since that Liverpool day already played down the midfield. So talk to me about his performance. I thought he was, I mean, definitely he was my man of the match yesterday. I think after the 20th minute, we started to attack a bit more and you could see it, it all started from Curtis Jones when he just intercepted it fired into Salah and then from there we didn't it didn't lead to anything but you know it was a good chance created from him I mean and he got I an assist as well yeah yeah you got the, yeah, yeah, the kind of lucky assist for Marlo but <laughs> um, I think he's really shown confidence uh, recently I think most Liverpool fans if, if we were going to go play the best team in the world tomorrow I think they would start Curtis Jones definitely because he's oh, definitely. matured into a very good midfielder he's still got a bit of naivety uh, 
I remember against West Brom, he gave away the ball that was led to the corner, that led to the goal. So it's little stuff like that. He still could improve it. And I wouldn't play him every week. He's not yeah. uh, oh, that reliable yeah. yet. So I'm not going to say he's as good as like Phil Foden and Saka who can play every week. But in terms of a squad player and a backup player, even a starter against some big teams, he's proven himself this season. I feel like for him as well, um, a player like that, I think we saw that with Chan Alexander-Arnold as well when he first came in in the 17-18 season. Liverpool were rampant that year, he just came in. He was a bit like he was a bit like um, Curtis Jones right now, to be honest with me, uh, to be honest with you. His maturity levels are second to none. I feel like the way he, the way they performed yesterday, his maturity levels, you know, not having to do this, do that, diddy-dally, as we see most youngsters do, you know, because they were on impressed on the stage, but doing the basics right, and that's what it comes down to. So I feel like Curtis Jones, for me, is a very underrated talent that goes, that doesn't really get noticed. What, what do you think about his underrated uh, stance? I don't think people are rating him well, mainly because so many of the youngsters are performing very well in this league. And if you look at English youngsters, you see Saka, Foden, Greenwood, and all these other guys that play for other clubs. But I think Jones is up there as well. He's yeah. a top-notch do baller. Do you um, think he should be called up for the English national team? Not yet. No, no, definitely not yet. I mean, this, this, the squad's huge for this uh, for the Euros. But I think he's playing regularly with the under-23s, under-21s. Oh, something. yeah. So, yeah. And he's progressed with the likes of Foden and... Brewster and all these guys who he's friends with on oh, the international yeah. stage. But yeah, I do think Jones is definitely destined to be one of the main players at Liverpool in the future, especially with one out of leaving in the summer. Well, we assume he's leaving in the summer. Then, you know, he could get more games on next uh, next season, which would be huge for his development as a Liverpool player. Um, and with, the, with players like Milner and Henderson starting to age, you know, they might go to different positions or they might go to different Exactly, clubs. but can, that's that's where uh, that's where Jones can learn from. You know, he's got like, the experience, he's got players that have been there and and won the Champions League, won the Premier yeah, League. Yeah. So he's got that experience to feed on and say, okay, Milner, you know how to do this, you know how to handle certain situations. So that's why, you know, we are seeing his levels of maturity. But anyway, um, we will take a break now and then after we will discuss Liverpool's form in the Premier League. Welcome back, guys. We're going to talk about the Premier League season so far now. So we've we've talked about the Champions League. We've talked about different player performances, how it's happened. But ultimately, that game, I don't think it it covers what has been going on at Liverpool Football Club this season. Such a huge, huge drop since the Premier League winning season. What I actually thought watching Liverpool, I don't think any teams in this league can even get close to that Liverpool team last season. Man City had a really good squad. They were blown away by Liverpool. I think they finished about 18, 19 points behind Liverpool last season. But this season, there have been ups and downs, ups and downs. Each game, happy, sad, happy, sad. West Ham game, woohoo! They're going to Brighton, oh! Literally every game was just up and down. Patchy form here and there. Harry, just start the season so far. Uh, as you said, it's been very up and down. So I'd say it's a bit of a roller coaster ride for us, to be honest. We started off uh, with three really good results, three wins straight away. Then suddenly everyone's like, oh, look, yeah. Liverpool are going to win the league again. Then suddenly we go to Villa, we get smashed 7 2. So um, <laughs> just like coronavirus has <laughs> so ruined our lives, Liverpool is starting to slowly ruin our, the fan base and like say, oh, do we really trust this team to win again? I mean, mm. some people have forgotten how good we were, like, like yeah. post. Pre-lockdown, death. Pre-lockdown, we were absolutely amazing. Like I could not. We were winning every game. I think the only game we drew was 
against Man United away. So mm. it was an absolutely wonderful uh, couple of four or five months there yeah. before lockdown. Then suddenly lockdown came and you know um, kind of ruined our lives. And even all, even the form after lockdown, a lot of people would say, "Oh, Liverpool weren't that good," you know, uh, drawing to Burnley at home, losing to Man City. Um, and you know, being lucky against Brighton, it wasn't really clear cut results like we've seen Liverpool perform. But yeah. this season start, I was more than impressed because pre season, got, got me worried. We were drawing to the likes of RB Salzburg. Uh, I think we lost to Arsenal in the Community Shield, which was disappointing our penalties. Yeah, and then did. suddenly we win our first three games, everyone's happy. We lose to Villa, everyone's sad. And then suddenly we're back again against Everton, kind of robbed of a win there with the last minute VAR thing. But I think overall the season hasn't been hasn't been the worst by Liverpool by any any stretch of the mind. I mean, it, back in twenty eleven we were finishing like seventh, and no, we were finishing like tenth and eleventh. It was horrendous. Yeah. Um, and the players we've got now were way too good to be finishing um, anywhere near tenth or eleventh. We're, we're, we're as a squad, we're way too well constructed for that. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. I think the rhythm's completely gone because every week we're playing completely different players, whereas we used to play the same. 10 or 11 players every week and that's kind of disrupted the whole um, memory the muscle memory I guess of like players like okay here Van Dijk's behind me I could play to him there oh wait no he's not this is uh, Matt Phillips and Reese Williams now behind me instead and it has affected the injuries have definitely affected the whole team uh, Van Dijk injury was huge at the time but even after that I think Gomez and Matip were only conceding two or three goals up in the next like seven games which yeah. is pretty decent I think Gomez got injured. Well, we don't even know why he got injured. He just got injured on right. international duty, uh-huh. like dishing up the place or something. And um, since the Gomez injury, people are like, oh, okay, now uh, Liverpool is screwed. But then Matip and Fabinho come in and them two are probably, I think a lot of Liverpool fans would be happy if them two played 20 games for us until the end of the season. But Matip gets injured and then it's all gone downhill since then. Because if Matip and Fabinho played the rest of the season from November onward, I think we would still win the title because we beat teams like Leicester 3-0, Wolves 4-0. Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked really resolute with them to the back because Henderson could play midfield. We beat Crystal Palace 7-0 with them to the back. I mean, it was all looking good. Mm-hmm. But then Matip's injury really injured us. Um, the likes of Nat Phillips have stepped in well. Reese Williams has done well considering he's used to play kid in the last season. Yeah, and definitely. the youth players have done well in the Champions League. Like I think the win against Ajax was huge. Like Reece, uh, I think it was Nico Williams assisting Curtis Jones or something like that, and we won one 0 It was a great result. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I think Liverpool will be slightly it's kind of cursed this season with the injuries, VAR decisions not going our way, a late penalty at Brighton, a late disallowed goal at Everton, and you know fingertip saves from Carl Darlow against us all this kind of stuff that maybe on another day would have gone our way. But unfortunately, all those things have resulted in us dropping loads of points to a point where now we're sixth and struggling to get the top four. Mm. And in a top four race with like six other teams, and it's, it's looking really challenging for us. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's just been every single team has suffered with it. They're, they have been bad form. Chelsea got smashed week in, week out. Just, I think it was three weeks back. And now look at us now. So I think Liverpool, if after this game, the Leipzig game, maybe you could go on some some mad winning run. Now that you've got a bit of confidence back, as we did after we got Tuchel in, maybe that'll kind of revitalise all the players' minds and everything for the next... It's going to be a tough a tough run in. That's all I'm going to say. There's so many teams that could drop points. Everton have started dropping points. But yeah, 
has been a really really tough season for Liverpool fans. It, ha- it hasn't been very hasn't been very lucky due to injuries and obviously Klopp's unfortunate incidents. But yeah, I think it could get better for Liverpool fans in the future. And yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the one positive Liverpool have is that we're playing a lot of teams who are around us in the near future. So we've got Villa at home, we've got Chelsea at home, we've got Everton at home this week, which is going to be a huge game. Because if we lose that, then suddenly everyone's like, okay, screw the top four. It's a bit of a dignity thing, you know, the best team in England last season getting smashed by Everton, who, to be fair to them, have Carlo Ancelotti, who's a world-class manager. Yeah. But they, I mean, on paper, they should not be beating Liverpool Anfield. Even if fans aren't there, who cares? They should not be beating Liverpool Anfield. In my opinion, at the minute. Yeah, to be fair, yeah, everyone's beating us Anfield now. I don't think it's a big (laughs) thing. Like, okay, well done, Burnley. You beat, yeah, so did all these other teams. Um, But, I think yeah, Everton game is going to be huge. I think we've got Man United uh, away as well, which is going to be. I mean, it might be a big game if Liverpool, United, Leicester, and Chelsea all end up being third, fourth, yeah. kind of like fighting for those positions. Um, but yeah, there's some big games for Liverpool, but then there's also games against small teams who we could easily drop points against, like Newcastle at home, um, Crystal Palace at home. You know, these are teams that we have dropped points at in the past, and it could be a little banana, banana. For us, you know, we could just yeah. easily fall over the. Oh, so it's going to come down to the smaller games, right? I think. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And Harry, Harry, I just the mentality. Harry, I'd just like to touch on the fact that Allison's recent form now, three errors into a goal in the last two uh, Premier League games. Yesterday, I saw I saw him. His distribution wasn't really good. Do you think he's one of uh, one of the people that has really been affected by Liverpool's form? Discuss. Uh, he's not been affected by the form that much. He's been affected by having different partners in front of him, I think. Because it used to be, okay, he has Van Dyke Gomez slash Van Dyke Matip in front of him every game. And he's like, okay, yeah, I know I can trust these guys. The senior players, they've played a lot of uh, football at different clubs and top five leagues. But now he's got, one week he's playing with Henderson and, and Phillips and it's Henderson and Fabinho, there's Fabinho and Phillips, and there's Williams and Fabinho, and he, he doesn't know. He, I don't, I'd be very uh, skeptical about being in that position there. Um, so, do you think? Do you think like apart from Van Dijk and Gomez, he can't really trust his backline? Is that is that the case, or is it just a case of okay, you know, he's not really he's not really in confidence right now. He he doesn't really know what to do when he kicks the ball. There's already options open for him. I think I think he I think he can trust his backline in some way because I mean Robertson people would say okay look Robert Robertson is trainer still there but I mean they're also very um, kind of reliant on having two good centre backs next to them two ball centre backs yeah yesterday yesterday it was it improved from he didn't make any horrendous mistakes or anything yeah. his distribution was was fine I thought I mean one of the, couple of situations where he he just hoofed it up because he was scared you know he didn't want to. Mm cost Liverpool more um, drama in it, uh, as much as he already has. But he has been one of our best players in the last three seasons. Yeah. I think Liverpool fans can accept that. And anyone saying, oh, Alisson should be benched or anything like that, it's just plain stupid because they don't understand how footballers' minds work. But, I mean, yesterday, though, I think the... I mean, if Kaylor, if Alisson did the thing Kaylor Navas did, I think the media would be going mad and they would say, okay, Alisson out, he should have never stopped with Brazil yeah. ever again. Because yeah. Kaylor Navas nearly scored it like some weird it, rebound it straight to Griezmann. And then, yeah. yeah, so <clears throat> thankfully, Alisson hasn't done anything as horrendous as that. He just passes it to players who are, I guess, Man City, I don't even know what happened. I think he just lost his head. Now, some, some people, some individuals in football or in any other sport, when you make a mistake, 
there's two kind of people in the swap. The one people like one kind of people, they try and forget the mistake and just try and prevent themselves from doing anything else. The other kind of people try and fix a mistake by showing they can do it in a better way. That's what Alisson tried to do against City. He made the, he passed it to Foden or someone for the first goal. They squared and scored. And instead of silver. instead of hiding away, just who figure up like you know some people might do, <clears throat> he was brave and he decided to show. Okay, look, I can pass again. He made he made two passes perfectly. Then the third one, I don't know what happened. He just played it straight to Foden. I think that then his mentality started to go. He was like, okay, I, do I trust myself anymore? It's not um, the game to try that against City, in my opinion. Yeah, against City, it was a it was a yeah. big mistake yeah. because they were sharp that night. Um, and it's it's not like City were thrashing us at the, at the point I think it was only 1-1 and then the first mistake came so it was out of kind of nowhere um, but the Leicester situation was definitely a bit of miscommunication do you think that was Kabak's fault or do you think that was Alisson's fault I think it was mostly Alisson's fault because I think you could blame Kabak for that he's, he's yeah. just doing his job and some people would say Alisson should be coming out but some people would say if Van Dijk and Gomez were there then Alisson and Van Dijk would you know have the understanding that okay Alisson comes out here and clears it because you know He's a keeper and keepers get bored and whatever. Um, but yeah, but he has been a huge figure for us. So I'm not going to throw too much hatred at him already. Yeah. He has made a miss mistakes, but yesterday was better. Clean sheet. The save onto the post for Danny Armo was a big save for him. And even the double save against Leicester, that was a, that's surely a confident booster for him. Yeah, just to touch on the whole Kabak situation, I actually want to just talk about the centre-back situation at Liverpool. We touched on it earlier that Obviously, the different partnerships could have been affecting Allison, and also the injuries came at bad times. Van Dijk and then Gomez and then Fabinho and and Matip were looking okay, but then Matip's having injuries. But obviously, centre backs, you could say that it's not a big deal. Other teams have injuries as well, like Leicester. They've they've been without Soinju, without Fafana. Now they've lost Timothy Castagna at right back. But having two players as crucial as as Van Dijk and Gomez out to the end of the season, ultimately it's going to affect your whole team morale in the long run you could say last season Liverpool got lucky with injuries I would say that that they didn't have as many injuries as, as the other teams when Man City had Eimerick Laporte out who was arguably their best player the season before but you signed Ozan Kabak and Ben Davis I believe just double check it's Ben yeah. Davis Ben Davis, yeah. You signed. I've. I'm talking about Kabak because mm. I'm. I'm a part-time Schalke fan. I watch. I watch a lot of Schalke games, and to be honest, Kabak looked like a defender who wasn't completely. He's incompletely ready to play at the highest level. I think that he needs to maybe play in the championship. Obviously, in the future, he's gonna have, he's gonna be a huge player. He has all the attributes you need for a centre back. He's good with his feet. He's strong. He's fast. He's intelligent. But there is some parts of his game that say he's not ready to play at Champions League level at the minute. He got dominated by Robert Lewandowski, Thomas Muller in the Bundesliga. He got dominated by most strikers, and obviously. Schalke went on a huge, huge losing run in that time, and Kabak yeah. played mostly most games. Yeah, Arvin. The one game, the the one win in thirty five games, I think, just says yeah, it one all. game. And you could say it's not Kabak's fault, but ultimately, his inexperience did come in. And since Mustafi's come in, it hasn't looked much better at Schalke. But yeah, just to go back to Liverpool after the signings, recent form and injuries, how do you see this centre back issue developing at Liverpool? Um, I think Kabak has been pretty decent I mean he's only played two games but he hasn't done anything I mean catastrophically wrong or anything mm. like that and I think Liverpool scouts they're very dead set on one thing they don't look at who you're playing for and how well the team is doing they look at the player himself like is he 
as you just got attributes basically as simple as yeah. that so that's why we signed Ben Davies from I mean Preston North End and we've gone Kabak from I mean a side that's going to be in the Bundesliga 2 next season mm-hmm. so and the players we were linked to they weren't like oh okay look look at these big names in world football they were the likes of Sven Bobman from Lille who Lille are doing pretty well to be fair but I mean who really knew who Bobman was until mm-hmm. three months ago when Liverpool linked with him um, and even the likes of uh, I think it was a Brazilian guy from uh, Torino in Syria like Nobody's really heard of it, but Liverpool will link to them because of his attributes and his statistics in terms of yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. percentage of headers one and stuff like that. And really, I think Liverpool's scouting has been outstanding in the past few years, so I'm not going to um, go against anything that we've done transfer-wise. But Kabak, I mean, he's proven... I mean, a lot of, a lot of people in Germany do rate him as a centre-back. I think he was at Stuttgart before or... Where he was, um, he scored lots of goals for a centre back, and people were like, "Hey, this guy could move to a big club in the future." He went to Schalke, uh, not the best first season, uh, and obviously this season he's that they've basically um, accepted relegation at this point. Mm. So it's good that um, he's got to move to a, a club where he can, you know. But right now we need a centre back, so he's going to get game time, and he will get game time in the future when uh, the likes of Matt. Tip and uh, Nat Phillips start to leave at the club so he will get chances and I think it, it's been a good uh, post for Liverpool and I think until the end of the season he will be one of the dead, uh, dead set starters outside yeah. Henderson or Phillips mm. depending on what composition we're in yeah, but starting Kabak, you've seen a lack of experience. We saw it against Leicester uh, in a in a high profile game that arguably you needed to win to to stake your top four place, and he kind of just lost communication. But I've seen him communicating with the defenders yesterday. He seems like I don't I don't do much research on the languages of the players, but I see it seems like he speaks quite good English, which is important playing the centre back position. Yeah. We saw in Thiago Silva's first few games, obviously a lack of communication or, or cost of that goal that that Callum Robinson scored, where he where he ultimately slipped. No one told him, man, on don't laugh at that, Arvin. I'll actually kill you. <laughs> but yeah, there was there was some there was some bad games that that we saw Silver Juice's communication. But yeah, Kabak does look promising. And as a as a Schalke, not Schalke fan, but part time Schalke fan, I've seen I know what he can do. Like maybe next to a better centre back, next to Van Dyke or Gomez next year, we'll see Kabak really turn into the player that we all know he can be. Next to the likes of Salif Sane, Nastatic, I don't think they really they really helped him out much. They're they're pretty dead defenders in my opinion. But yeah, we'll see. It. It'll be good. Just to touch on. Liverpool in general, to go away from the defence. Let's just go to the forwards at the minute. I have seen Liverpool in the last few weeks, the Liverpool that I have not associated with Jurgen Klopp or any of these players in the last four years. A lack of cutting edge in the final third, lack of chemistry, lack of shooting. And these big-name players that we've that we've seen the last three years, such as Firmino, Salah and Mane, as world-class players and what uh, people call them something I think it's similar to MSN I don't know uh, Harry you probably know that as being a Liverpool fan but people name them as a really really well working chemistry high front three easy chances being spun left right and centre do you know, you get gassed when Liverpool score and you post it on your story these days. And I'm literally thinking, like, are, you, are we watching the, are we are we actually associated with the same Liverpool team? How would you explain this lack of a lack of chemistry in the final third? Um I think I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I think one of the reasons we were doing all right before this Christmas period where we just started to collapse was because of Jota. And Jota came in. Did absolute amazing job. We started scoring like every game. He's got a hat trick in the Champions League against Atalanta. He, people were saying, "Okay, he's going to put pressure off Firmino," 
because uh, Firmino wasn't really scoring. He was getting a few assists, but he wasn't really scoring. And people were like, okay, Jota could be the man for Liverpool in the future. And as well as that, he was linking up really well with Salah and Mane, especially Salah. Yeah, I think yeah, he yeah, yeah. have a very good link up. Uh, not so much. I think he has a better link up with Salah than Mane does, actually. And Whoa. I think the overall front three were a bit happy to have him there and the confidence was high. Um, even against Man City when all four of them played, mm-hmm. we only scored a penalty, but the press, was, we could have scored more of that like, within 20 minutes. The press was there. All four of them were working hard as a team. And then since he got injured, I mean, there's no coincidence that our front three's kind of been misfiring since his injury. I mean, that, that um, I think those two things do kind of correlate in a way. Um, but then some of the games, we've just been really unlucky with our finishing. Like, as I mentioned before, the fingertip save, from Carl Darlow against Salah at Newcastle. That goes in, you know, it's 1-0, Liverpool get three points, happy days. Mm. Mane, Mane's finishing has just been a bit questionable. I mean, he's never been an amazing finisher. I think people wrongly associate him with that. I think Salah's mm-hmm. a much better finisher than Mane is. Yes, he's got loads of goals in the past. I think last two seasons, he finished, he finished top scorer in 1819 mm. um, with the with Bamiyang and Salah, which is um, pretty impressive for him. But he's never been like an overall top uh, finisher yes like if you look at his stats compared to Salah and take away penalties they will be similar but I mean Mane will take more chances to score and is I don't think he's okay he's better with his head than Salah is definitely but in terms of some situations he doesn't really know what to do he, he, he might take a shot instead of pass it and some some situations Salah should pass it to Mane he doesn't but I think Mane's definitely been affected since December I don't know what's going on with him and ultimately I think as I mentioned before our um, our a whole attack was basically down the left-hand side. And that's why I said Trent Alexander-Arnold hasn't been that good this season. But then suddenly, I don't know, ever since the West Brom game, I think teams have started to double up on it. I've noticed it a lot. I think the West Brom game, they brought uh, a guy on at half-time to just stop, basically, Robertson going forward. Mm-hmm. And ever since Robertson's uh, last 10 games, Robertson hasn't been that good compared to yeah. the first 15. Mm-hmm. He's been, he was so good first 15. He was easily... Uh, our best player mm-hmm. and um, suddenly he just stopped to, not, not even getting a, just creating he stopped getting in the box and putting crosses in like everything was going down the right side suddenly and we weren't scoring so I think teams have very uh, well identified that Robertson is our best creator uh, what was our best creator of the season and they mm-hmm. said okay let's stop this side and suddenly let's see if Liverpool can get past us and Robertson and Mane are very well known for that little one-two around the box and then Robertson cuts it back for someone and, he, and they just toe poke it in. Um, mm-hmm. For example, the goal against Arsenal, I think it was at the Emirates uh, post-lockdown last season. But oh, yeah. Robertson's uh, impact has been uh, decreased, which means Mane's impact has been decreased. And that's why all of our goals are coming from the right side now with Salah. Uh, even Firmino's getting a few recently. and these guys are all chipping in with one. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the attack do need some kind of big... Uh, push next season. I mean, yeah, I just had to. Early. I just had to touch on that. Sorry. Um, do you do you think you need more Jota type players? Like when Jota came in, he he made that incredible impact. You know, he dropped the likes of Firmino to come to the bench. Okay, and Klopp said, "Oh, you need to step up in this game." Do you think you need more Jota types players? The type of players that are going to come in, score loads of goals, drop them the likes of maybe if you had a winger, let's say Mane or Salah, to really put not Salah because he scores a lot of goals. Let's say Mane to really push themselves, to really push that. Because we saw um, Firmino in December level where he scored, he scored against, um, 
Spurs, he scored the winner. Yeah, he's, he was scoring quite a few goals at the time because obviously Jota had pushed him to that extent. Do you think you need more Jota type players to really push this front three, you know, to motivate them again? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one problem with Liverpool recent uh, last few years has been goals from midfield and also back up to the front three because yeah. our front three never seem to get injured. I mean, that's a bit of a lie now because Jota got injured and Mane's had COVID, Salah's had COVID, but um, they never get injured our front three. I, I don't know how they do it. They just play every game and we've been very reliant on them and they put up great numbers every single Touch season. Wood. And as a three, <laughs> uh, they function extremely well. But eventually there will be a time when one of the, well, slowly they will have to the front three will have to mm. um, deteriorate and there's a lot of talk with Salah leaving as I mentioned before and if he leaves he's not only taking a lot of goals away from him uh, from the club but there's also a big hole there and Jota you know he can easily come in and start every game for us uh, we've, we've seen what he can do but we definitely need more attackers to not only start every game but also put pressure on the likes of um, of Salah Mane Firmino and one of the attackers we have is Harvey Elliott Who's obviously on loan at Blackburn Rovers, and he's been doing. We got Magna. Um, yeah, we all know Harvey Elliott, so that's, that's a bit mentioned. He's got four uh, goals, eight assists, in the yeah, he's done very well at Blackburn. So that's, yeah, you were listening, Harvey. That's, that's good stats for Harvey Elliott. And yeah, if he comes back and suddenly he's turned into this amazing superstar, that who knows, clubs masterclass, he's sending him out on loan. If Minamino comes back and suddenly he's scoring ten goals, you know, everything's fine. But we definitely need investment in their forward areas because there will be a time when Salah and Mane have to leave. Maybe it's going to be the summer, mm-hmm. maybe the summer after. Um, and we have to look for attackers who are kind of in the same profile as Jota. Because, you know, Jota's a real club type signing. You wouldn't see Jota move to United or City or any of those yeah, clubs. Yeah, definitely. He's very hardworking. He seems like a nice mm-hmm. guy. He's at a good age, 23, 24. You know, that's, that's a pretty decent age for a uh, forward. And I think just... players like them. I'd associate him with a bit of Salah, really, because of and Mane too. And so when when Salah Mane came in, they weren't really the high profile. They, they had talent, but they weren't really the high profile players or the players that they are today. To you know, to think back then, oh yeah, they were gonna they're gonna be you know world beaters. I feel like Jota's really yeah, as touching on the fact that he's really a club type of signing. He's signing as a not average player, but a player that has potential, but um, he doesn't really have that. Uh, how how would you say that finesse that style? To, yeah, yeah, definitely. To really be a match yeah, difference. Do you think he could develop into a Salah Mane type player? Definitely. I mean, he could score goals. We've seen that with his finishing. It's it's incredible. He scores all kind of goals. He scored a header against Leicester. He scored a header against Sheffield mm-hmm. United. He scores left foot finishes, right foot finishes, everything. He's very agile, very mobile, mm-hmm. and he's a great forward to have. I think Liverpool have done very well to get him at a good price, um, but. We definitely need investment in the forward areas to accompany the likes of Jota and Minamino and Harvey Elliott and whoever we get. A lot of talk about Mbappe 2020. I don't think that's going to happen, personally. <laughs> Sticky but one. if we get... I mean, if Dortmund don't get top four this season, Haaland could be a very good purchase. I think that that he's, he'd be perfect for Liverpool, to be honest. I think he's going he's to all, be, yeah, He's already world-class, so you might not say he's a club signing, but, um, but he's also linked with Man City United, so he's linked with everyone. So yeah. we'll, we'll, do, we'll have a lot of trouble to get him. Other players we could get. Pedro Neto has been talked about a lot because Wolves, I mean, Wolves Pedro Neto is, I think he's incredible. Yeah. I think he's one of the most underrated youngsters of the league. Liverpool soon to turn to Portugal FC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I would not mind Pedro Neto at the club. I think he's a great player. I think you see his ball versus Southampton. Team. It was very good. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people are. Um, 
applauding him for that. But then there's also youngsters from <clears throat> all over Europe. I mean, Jonathan David at Lille is doing a great job. Ozzie Moon oh, yeah. moved for big money. He's doing well at Napoli. Turam's doing well at Gladbach. All of these guys, you know, they're top-notch uh, yeah, forwards. Yeah, yeah. But I think Liverpool don't really sign French players. So I don't know how Turam would come to Liverpool. We haven't signed a French player since maybe Mamadou Sacco, it might be, um, which is a long time ago. But yeah, definitely, I think Liverpool need investment. I don't want us to go and buy the the best of the best already because I think that's just a bit sad. I, I don't like that because the way Liverpool have functioned and progressed is pretty interesting to watch since uh, signings of like Salah, Salah even came to Liverpool. Okay, he took some while to he scored a goal in his debut, and then he didn't score for quite a few games. He looked deadly, but he didn't score, and then suddenly. Post November, he just turned into this monster and and broke the record for the most number of goals in the Premier League season. Yeah, and um, I think definitely, I think the recruitment system, as long as they stay, I'm happy. As long as yeah. Michael Edwards keeps doing his job, I don't care who we bring in. I, I, I trust him fully. I, I actually do coming... remember. Yeah, sorry, I actually do remember a French player you signed, Ali Sissoko. If anyone you know, yeah, I think he was before Sako. Yeah, maybe. Coming back to the investment part, obviously, a player that was brought in this season, a player that was brought in into the midfield to bring flair to that Liverpool midfield, you know, we hadn't really seen Liverpool sign that type of player. Thiago. Now, Thiago, obviously, me being a Bayern Munich fan, I've watched a lot of him the past five years. I've really seen him develop as a player from when he came in as a boy to Munich and then, de- and then developed into one of the best midfielders in the world. Now, tell me, what's what's... Uh, he put a good performance in yesterday, but what's gone wrong so far from Thiago at Liverpool? What do you think the problem uh, is? Uh, I think one of his problems is he he can't, he doesn't know where to tackle, which is a bit of, I mean, yesterday he actually tackled pretty well, which is a um, going against what I'm just about to say, but he seems to pick up so many fouls so early on, like, just let them go. Yeah. Like, yes, he got a yellow card against Southampton in the second minute or something, and they scored from it. So little stuff like that he, he needs to improve on. But he is a senior player, so I think you need senior players in this squad. And we, we got him on a, uh, on a cheap deal, which is also good. But in terms of his ability, I mean, I get to Newcastle, everyone saw it, where we were really struggling against Newcastle. It was nil-nil. He came on and suddenly everyone was getting the ball. He was pinging them everywhere. Mm-hmm. And people were like, okay, Chaga has to start next game. And yeah, suddenly there's no, now there's people, no doubt about like, his ability here. Yeah. People are like, and now people are like, oh, Thiago shouldn't start any game because he's not mm-hmm. good enough. And... I, he is, he's definitely got ability but I think he just needs to um, just get a, um, a better run of games and most importantly I think he came to Liverpool thinking he's going to be playing with Henderson Fabinho Wijnaldum and these guys in midfield oh, with the protection of Van Dijk and Gomez behind him he, that's what you expected when he came to Liverpool but yeah. now he's in this situation where he's playing as a six as yeah, a he DM doesn't even comfortable there. Yeah. With, um, with the likes of Nat Phillips and Fabinho behind him which he, I don't think he's very comfortable with and I think if, uh, when the injuries do slowly come, uh, when Van Dijk, who, who does look like he's recovered and he's going to be fifth for maybe two games at the end of the season, when him and Gomez eventually come back, I think we could see the best out Thiago in the more advanced role with Henderson and Fabinho in, in next to him, protecting him. So he doesn't have to do that much defensive work mm-hmm. and they could do it. I mean, I've seen a lot of tweets on, um, on Twitter Instagram? saying that... Okay. Yeah, no, I did say tweets town, but okay. Um, no, I did see a lot of tweets saying that, oh, Thiago, he can't really hack the physicality because I watched the Tottenham game and I also watched the Leicester game where you, I don't like to say it, but he was getting bullied by Ndombele and, um, and Didi for the large parts of the game. 
do you think physicality can be a problem or do you think that his ability will be able to nullify or make up for his physicality? I mean, it doesn't help the fact that he's like, <laughs> he's very small compared to other midfielders, but yeah. I don't think it's a huge problem because, I mean, first half against Spurs, yeah, he was being run around by a double with a few skill moves because he double is a great, uh, great player. But mm. second half, with the cap thing he was wearing after he got a head injury, he just turned into this amazing player. He's like, <laughs> Thiago's doing well here. Um, maybe he just needs uh, some um, some time in the gym, I don't know, with uh, the likes of Milner and Henderson to be training into this, into this huge... Five yeah, yeah, you should take Goretzka. some to some Goretzka, you know, just be like, hey, yo, Leon, what did you do breakfast? Oh, um, but yeah, I, I think it doesn't help that he got injured in the Mozart <laughs> derby. If that, if that injury oh, yeah. doesn't happen, maybe, you know, Thiago is world-class and he's in the midfield and everyone's happy. But because it did... We can't really look back at it and say, okay, you know, this would have happened. But so, would you um, have to play in the like make uh, make do system through the injuries through Thiago's form, mm. or is that is that maybe the key factor? You know, the injuries he's already comfortable with players around him. Do you think that's the main? I, I think I think reason why he's not performing. Yeah. I think he's developed a good relationship with <clears throat> Trent and Salah. I've seen that a lot. He plays really good one two with Trent. And uh, he, yeah, I do see him. I do see him pinging balls nicely he'll, onto he'll, Trent. Suddenly he'll. Uh, yeah. It'll get the ball from Trent and then suddenly yeah, we'll just ping it over to Robertson and people yeah. are like, okay, that's a good call. But I don't really understand, like, okay, yeah, Chioka's a great passer, but Henderson could do that as well. He could ping the ball 40, everyone could, everyone, most midfielders yeah, but not as well as Thiago, not as smooth as Thiago. Like, yeah, okay, the way he does it is very, like, aesthetic to watch, but Henderson yeah. could play very good uh, long-range passes. He's got a lot of assists from it. I mean, the red card against Chelsea was created because of a really good long ball to Mane and then Christensen came in, rugby tackled him. Um, but then the, you, then you've got players like Ruben Neves in the Premier League who are very much more okay, long range. That's why they basically base their game on. Thiago's very aesthetic to his, all his passing. And against United in the first 30 minutes, he I mean, completely ran the show, really. He skilled everyone up, had a few oh, shots, yeah. everything was good. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he nearly scored against United. And maybe that goes in and it's 1-0 and everyone's happy, but unfortunately it didn't. Um, so I think Thiago, once everyone starts coming back into the team and Liverpool are going on a little run of, you know, five, six wins, then I think he will mm. start to see him. But the fact that we're in the Champions League this season and we look like we're going to go through to the quarterfinals, he's going to be a good player for that mm. because he can oh, yeah, handle it in the big situation. And especially, I think the main reason we bought him, well, main reason we bought that kind of player was because of Atletico Madrid, where we were 1-0 up for the whole game. Then uh, it went to extra time. We won again. Uh, I think Firmino scored. It was 2-1. And then we had capitulation at the other end with Adria. But then we, we still had a chance to, you know, break down the defence, but we just couldn't do it, you know. And we could have killed the game off before 90 minutes, really, if we won the game 2 or 3-0. And we needed a player like Chaka to... Really, He's that kind um, of player to, like, pick a pass that no other player would see and then yeah. somebody runs and scores, yeah. I think that's the kind of game we really needed, Thiago, because we did win the game. We were one and up, but we won the... Uh, the 90 minutes, 90 minutes yeah. but it, one more goal and you know we win the tie that's it everyone's happy but unfortunately that's the kind of player we needed so we bought Thiago and it hasn't really worked out for him yet but Champions League maybe you know Valetico would knock out Chelsea and still play that to go again you know maybe Thiago <laughs> could show everyone why Liverpool bought yeah. him we'll see we'll see yeah, but with Thiago, I'd just like to talk about that a little bit. I think that in a four-three-three as a as a lone six, I think that does expose some of his flaws. Like I know he's probably played there for Spain a lot with maybe a 
Valverde next to him. He's not from Spain, is he? I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> he might, yeah, my bad. He probably has some other players help him out. But you see, as you mentioned with Thiago, he's a bit small. He's not very physical. He's not good at the tackling side of the game as maybe a Kimmich or someone else. But if you stick him in a in a more compliant formation, like a 4-2-3-1, you might see a different player. For example, with Jorginho, as a, as a lone six, I know under Maurizio Sarri's system, that fits in perfectly, but under a more attacking, expansive system, Jorginho looks like worse than my Sunday league, the worst player, Theo Colpin, if you're watching, as the worst Sunday league player. He he just looks like absolute crap, no offence, Theo, you're not crap, but he just looks like a crap player as, as a lone six. Next to a Kovacic or a Kante, I think that Jorginho looked a complete different animal. But maybe, do you think that putting putting Thiago next to a Fabinho or a Henderson in the four two three one? do you think that, that will help his game a little bit more? Definitely. I think Fabinho is one of our best midfield. I think one of the best midfielders in the league at protection and ball winning and all this stuff that nobody wants to do, but has mm. to be done in the game of football. He's one of the best at it. And if he was there, you know, I think it would, be, it would not only help Thiago, but it would help the whole team uh, because we wouldn't concede as many shots and we wouldn't... Yeah. I could see as many chances. And yeah, I think eventually, if Fabinho was fit now, I could see Fabinho playing CDM with Thiago and them two mm-hmm. kind of just um, building a little relationship. But we have played 4 to 3 1 in a lot of games in the past. And even this season, we played 4 to 3 1 against a few teams. Well, Jota, Salah, Mane, Firmino. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm so, saying. I think I could. Salah work. works up front. Jota and Mane couldn't easily go on either wing. They don't really care. And Fabinho is very good at the little cam slash false nine, whatever you want to call it. And um, yeah, so I think Thiago and Fabinho could be a good partnership because Fabinho's got the height. He's like six foot one. Six yeah, two. exactly. A little man, and, big man thing. Yeah, I got you, man. And uh, they could easily just uh, build a little relationship <laughs> like that. Yeah, but, no, uh, yeah. Got I think Thiago, after he takes, I mean, this is still his first season and stuff, I get that. So a few more months, maybe, and a bit more, bit of, bit of form. I mean, he, needs, he still needs to get his first goal. So maybe he scores in the Champions League and. Everyone's like, okay, the guy's finally hit some form here. Yeah, yeah. And then his confidence goes, just rockets up. And, you know, and coronavirus ends, so you can go out and, you know, go back to Spain yeah, and see his family his or whatever, you know. Go out with the everything. mates, the Liverpool players. Yeah, yeah. I get unfortunately, he's stuck in his home with his family every day, so it, it, it can be a bit daunting. Yeah, no, definitely. With Thiago, he's, you know what he's like. Arvin, I've seen him. Absolutely. I'm not going to use the R word. Destroy Chelsea's midfield. Kovacic and Georgina, who I just bigged up just now, got absolutely melted by Thiago. But yeah, I'm sure it'll come good. But I'm sure Harry has a lot to do today. I'm sure he has a career mode to finish. And so does Arvin as well, playing Call of Duty Cold War. MK, if you're listening. But yeah, we're going to keep things moving, wrap things up with the podcast. We've had a good little discussion. I think we've broken down Liverpool quite well. We've talked about the Champions League game, which obviously was kind of the main topic, but we've also broken down a lot of the, the issues that we've seen with Liverpool this season. Individual performances. Yeah, we've talked about everything. I think we've, we've literally broken down Liverpool to a T, I think, today. But yeah, I'm going to keep things moving, wrap things up, guys. Hope you enjoyed the Perfect Tactic podcast. Any last words, Harry and Arvind? Um, thanks for chatting. It's been, it's been great. And I uh, hope to see us soon back talking about not Liverpool. And Harry? Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Where is it, Harry? <laughs> Plug it, bro. Harry Crypto 3. Come on, come on. Get get the predictions up for, for next the, year. For the PL predictions. Yeah, you know? come on. There's no, it's about I mean, 120 it's... subscribers. Yeah, so, and follow my TikTok as well. I'm very famous on that. So Yeah, so that, I think that is the footy guru, I believe. So yes. yeah, check Harry out. Check Arvind out. Check the podcast out. Let us know if you like the podcast. Message me on Instagram, karen.56. 
I don't know Arvin's Instagram is. It's a pretty weird Instagram name. Arvin.B17. So. It's, it's not that complicated, let's uh, be honest. Okay, I thought it was like Aviaco or something like that. But, you know, yeah, we move. I mean, I did change it like two years ago, so. We move, we move. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed the podcast, guys. And don't forget, Arvin, you know what I'm going to say. Make sure to keep things perfect, guys. Make sure to keep it perfect. Come That's on. That's how it is. That's how it is. Have a nice day, and I'll see you later. <laughs>